Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to Wonder Queer, episode number 12. Um, we're really happy that you're here. And I uh, took this time to join us for this episode. And Marshall's going to tell us uh, about our wonderful guest that we're having today. So take it away, Marshall. Yeah, thanks everybody for joining us. We have Silen Wellington, who uses they and he pronouns. And Silen is a sculptor of sound, artist of people, witch, genderqueer shapeshifter, performance artist, poet, and lover, among other things. They currently live on Cheyenne, Arapahoe, and Ute land in what is otherwise known as Fort Collins, Colorado. And we're so excited to have you here, Silen. It was summer 2017, nestled between a canopy of soft redwoods, when someone finally heard my soul through my voice. I was at California Witch Camp, dancing through the myth of the Minotaur, with eyes bright and fawn-like, glowing with the newness of the world. I had been remembering witchcraft for several years at that point. First in glimpses, eyes that would watch me from the aspen trunks, clouds that almost made the shape of gods, half-burnt cottonwoods struck by lightning, though clinging in that half-life, half-death place. But I had never been around so many human witches. And well, it was love at first sight. Bonfires stacked high in the shape of minotaur horns. Chants that followed the smoke up to the stars down to the last ember. Cackles through the night. And my favorite, how normal it was for someone to say, see you at ritual later. At the same time, I was also remembering myself. Over the previous two years, I had claimed womanhood, claimed goddess, tailspun into the crumbling of any ideas I had about gender, found myself sexy for the first time through drag, and worked up the guts to ask people to start using they-them pronouns for me. It was a litany of thresholds, and here I was at one more, three months in on tea, with a hardened Adam's apple budding through my throat and entering the labyrinth. I was finding a levity that tore through all my adolescent suicidality, shrugging the sorrow that clung to my wings, unfurling curiosity in the simplest of things, and delighting in all the magic of the world. After years of conceding myself to a livable contentment, 
I found myself miraculously an optimist. We have the thread, we know the way to pass through the maze. We have the thread. By far, one of the most exciting changes of testosterone was my newfound love of singing. I'd always been uncomfortable singing, though I never knew why. I had resigned myself to singing in my chest voice, uncomfortable going any higher, and thus only having an octave of trembling notes. Though a poet, I had hidden all of my lyrics in the staves of piano music, so I would remember them, but never voice their melody out loud. When my voice dropped, I found myself singing all the time, pulling my voice low and imagining it smooth, velvety, sultry baritone rather than crackly and pubescent. I didn't mind the voice cracks, though, because I was on my way to becoming. And oh, how euphoric it was to sing under the redwoods at witch camp, dancing around fires, clapping my hands to the earth. We create, we transform by breath, blood, and bone. We create, we transform, we sing our way home. We have the thread, we know the way to pass through the maze. We have the thread, we know the way. One night, we had a ritual where we walked through the woods from one circle to another, chanting a song by two reclaiming witches, Abel Gomez and Willow Firefly Kelly, singing our way through the maze. I took the song at the lower octave and felt a bellow from deep within me singing loud, letting my eyes half close as my bare feet found their way across the starlight and forest floor. When we stopped singing, someone who was walking in front of me turned around and said, Charlie, I hear so much soul in your voice. We create, we transform by breath, blood, and bone. We create, we transform, we sing our way home. Silent, thank you so much um, for uh, sharing that experience with us. I mean, um, it's really beautiful. No one has done that before, you know, putting music to it and the singing and it really creates a, a full experience. And, um, I just really appreciate it. One of the first things that stood out to me was that you talked about, you know, remembering witchcraft and you talked about, um, this process of remembering yourself. And I'm just wondering why that word, why that particular word, 
opposed to all the other words that one could use to describe both those experiences. Yeah, thank you for that question. Um, and that phrase, remembering witchcraft, uh, really comes from a dear friend of mine named Phoenix Grace. And when I was getting back into witchcraft, I had tried to practice witchcraft back when I was 12 or so, and I had all these books and tarot cards, and then I got really scared because my dad found them and was, you know, came, I came home one day and his glasses were low on his nose and he was like, do you really believe this? And I was like, eep, no. And then I threw that all, threw it all away um, and was kind of an agnostic, ambiguous belief place for a while um, so it really felt like I was coming home to it, uh, that year before I went to witch camp for the first time and my friend lover Phoenix, I said, oh, I'm learning so much about witchcraft. And Phoenix said, no, you're remembering so much about witchcraft. And that just struck me so, as, as so true, um, in part because I had tried to have a practice earlier in life, but even then it just, it felt very, uh, home-like and intuitive and, like I was just trying to peel back and unlearn things such that I could reach my own intuition. So yeah, that's why I use that phrase, remembering witchcraft. I could probably say more about it, but I'll pause there. And do you feel the same way about remembering yourself? Yeah, that one, that one is a little, I, I feel like I remember myself as a shapeshifter. Uh, especially in relation to my gender experience, because I wow. feel like I, when I was growing up, I had the experience of like a little girl and I didn't really have a lot of conflict with my gender or my gender expression. And it really wasn't until I met non-binary people for the first time that I began to, to question all that and began to really want to explore other places. Um, which is, you know, different than some of the more stereotypical mainstream trans narratives about like always knowing since you were three or something like that. And I feel like the the explanation that I that I came to and it was like, oh, my soul wants to move, my soul wants to shape shift. And like that that girl in me was true for that time and like that's not true for me anymore. So in remembering myself, it, it was kind of it's it feels like remembering my impetus and potential for change and making space and honoring that in its many winding and curving paths. Yeah, something that you mentioned early in the, the story was um, about the myth of the Minotaur. And I wondered if you would share a little information about the Minotaur. Yeah, so... For, for me and in, in my spiritual practice, and I, I think for other witches and reclaiming witches too, when we work with myths, we're trying to dig up all the pieces of ourselves and like put ourselves into like every role in the story to feel and experience what it has to teach us. So they're not necessarily like literal truths or... Um, literal advice or things like that. They're, they're live, living things that we try to um, learn from. <clears throat> and that year with, with the myth of the Minotaur, I, was, I felt very drawn to the figure of the Minotaur and this figure uh, that people 
kind of associate with like monstrosity as as a monster um and i think like in the media especially like trans people can often be depicted as monsters too and one of the intentions that year at camp one night of our ritual the intention was with our divine gifts we face our monster and it was really about like looking at these hidden pieces of yourselves of ourselves and looking at these parts of ourselves that maybe are shunned by society or maybe like we don't want to embrace and being real with ourselves first and foremost. And for me, that that felt like being real with my experience of gender and owning it, even if it is going to be misconstrued or misinterpreted uh, by society. You know, and, ta- and relationship to revealing um, parts of ourselves you and the, your shape-shifting, you talked about drag and, you know, feeling that being a really, uh, it seemed to me like a place of kind of empowerment and feeling sexy for the first time through that art and through that uh, those personas. And I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more about drag for you. Yeah, of course. So in in my own gender discovery, gender gender journey, I, I mentioned in the story like embracing womanhood and embracing goddess. And for for a brief sliver of time, that felt like really powerful place for me. Um, and part of like me wounding my or healing my relationship to my wounded feminine and like it was so like serendipitous that like immediately after that i was like what what is gender and like someone uh my roommate at the time and i were like hey maybe we should like perform at the drag show together i was like sure well like what's that gonna be like kind of not knowing what i was getting into and like putting on like a fake beard and doing all the contour in my face and kind of designing that that character that was giving my, myself space to like process toxic masculinity and process like masculinity within me and things that I did want to claim and explore uh, felt really healing. And it was really on that stage that I was like, oh, the, you know, this doesn't feel, this is performance, but it like feels like I don't want to take it off. Um, and in the, in our, our performance the first time, I mean, like a drag performance, everyone's like screaming and they're like, ah, and like some of, some, some of it is like intended to be like, oh, look, look at this like sexy drag king and kind of that gender subversion in that way. And I was like, wow, this feels cool. Like, I don't think I've ever felt this way before. Um, so I, I think I've, I've met quite a few people who discovered some of their gender expansiveness through drag. Um, and I think that was definitely true for me of like, that was a doorway into to learning certain things about myself that I wasn't wasn't ready to face yet. I wanted to ask you about um, the labyrinth. If there are any meaning meanings or parallels with the labyrinth to your experiencing of gender, or if there are parallels with gender and the maze that you are chanting about. Yeah, so so labyrinths are, and mazes are two different things, which is kind of confusing because I'm like, oh, which myth are we working with? <laughs> which one shows up in the myth? It's like the myth of the labyrinth, but we're singing about mazes. Um, so labyrinths don't have dead ends. It's just like one continuous kind of snaking path and like gradually you go towards the center. Um, and sometimes I, I've used it as a meditative practice of like just really trying to drop into myself um, or chanting something as I'm walking through the labyrinth and getting to the center. 
Um, whereas mazes do have dead ends and it's kind of a puzzle you're trying to find your way through. So the song is like, oh, finding our way through the maze kind of thing. Um, yeah, and then I feel like both of these things feel really resonant just in my life path right now because I think I can be really overwhelmed with like what feels like a maze or a puzzle being like, what's the right path? What what direction do I need to go? And maybe even with gender and like all the expansive things that I want to explore with and like, do I want to be on T? Do I not want to be on T? And like going going through in and out of that journey. Um, and I think where the, the lab, where like, the medicine of the labyrinth comes in for me is that like if I'm really connected to my own truth and really connected to some of my spirits and like fate weaving like I do know what I want <laughs> and like I, I do know the direction and it feels it feels easeful and it feels meditative and it doesn't feel like a puzzle to work out um and I think it, especially with regards to my gender trying to drop into that place to be honest with myself it can be really difficult like given all the conditioning we have to make you think that there are only two options and like there are the options that are on your birth certificate and that kind of thing um and the the labyrinth is the the place where we encounter the minotaur and i'm being reminded of this quote from a poem by david white that um really spoke to me as I was going through some of this gender experience. Revelation must be terrible when you know you can never hide your truth again. I was just really curious because um, numerous beloveds that I know when they went on tea, they, um, who loved singing and were singers, played in musical instruments, um, really uh, struggled with how to like, be with their voices, you know, their, their changing voices or their evolving voices. And, uh, you've had the very opposite experience that you actually found your voice. Um, and you know, at that moment where you were several months into tea and you were able to locate it in a different way. And so I'm just really, uh, curious about your process and yeah, how, how it's sort of a bit oppositional for you. Yeah, and I, I think it helps, I should say, that I didn't sing very much before tea. <laughs> that, like, I didn't even like singing that much before tea, that kind of thing. Ah, so like, so maybe that's maybe that's the secret. But um, yeah, t- testosterone can be really hard on the voice, and I, I'm not going to deny that. But um, I am, you know, majored in music composition. And one of my good friends, like, studied testosterone effects on the voice, like, for their dissertation and, like, was also a vocal teacher. And I was going to trans choir for um, every week at the time. So I had a lot of opportunities to, like, keep singing. And I think that's usually what I hear is the best recommendation to, like, continue to have a singing voice after tea uh, is to, like, keep singing gently since, like, I, I get fatigued so much more easily when I'm on testosterone or when my body's adjusting to testosterone than when I'm not. So being gentle with that and like, but continuing to explore. And uh, yeah, there was definitely like a year there where there's like a total train wreck in the middle of my register. But then I like kind of came out on the other side and like was practicing enough that I was like, okay, here's kind of my baritone range. And like, now I have a falsetto and that's really cool. Um, so yeah, it wasn't without work. I like 
pra- have been practicing singing a lot over the years to be comfortable and like get to know my voice again because it is like your voice has certain muscle memory of like if I make this muscle like this pitch comes out and that all changes when you go on T so it is kind of like you say with your beloveds like relearning how to sing again <laughs> to some extent I think that's totally true um but yeah, yeah gotta be gentle and I like that you say that it's work and that you had to sort of stick with it and embrace it and be compassionate with that part of a part of you like self-love through the through the process I like that too what was the significance of the comment that um, I hear so much soul in your voice and what what did that feel like to to receive that to, to hear someone say, I hear so much soul in your voice and to like feel it in that authenticity is like, it felt like being seen in also my like gender experience. And like, I, as the, the queer boy that I was like trying to become at the time. Um, so I think there, there, there's a tension for me sometimes in like, being trans and yeah a lot of times in my solo witchcraft practice like I do try to like offer myself self-validation and like try to be seen within myself such that I don't have to rely on other people since other people are fallible or like not ready to see me yet but I definitely think that there's there's really no substitute for being witnessed in community for who you are and in, in my own journeys, kind of, as I discussed, like, miraculously becoming an optimist, like, it was because I had found people who were witnessing me and for my unique gifts. So I think hearing that from someone who was a near stranger at the time, he, we hadn't really spoken outside of that moment at which camp, felt really good of like, oh, like, people are picking up on what I'm putting out there. Um, yeah, and I have this very deep belief that, like, everyone... Uh, similar to my five rhythms dance practice where like everyone can dance everyone has some kind of movement even if it's just sitting even if it's just kind of moving their head there's like authentic movements within within each of us that is beautiful and similarly I, I believe that about our voices and the songs that we sing of like even if you don't know how to sing in tune even if you don't you, you know don't know how to harmonize or it's kind of crackly or you have a lot of voice cracks like there's there's pieces of your soul like being expressed through that so for someone to hear that felt really validating speaking of optimism that was my one of my questions. How? <laughs> how did you? How, what does that mean to you? And how did? How do you think that happened? That you you just tripped over being an optimist, and then there you were in optimist land. <laughs> yeah, there I was in optimist land for sure. Um, yeah, yeah, and I, I mean the story makes it sound like oh, like and then this happened, but it was like <laughs> definitely like years of, of journeys, um, and. That line in the story I say after a lifetime of aspiring like only towards ordinary contentment. Um, for for me, when I was a teenager for and kind of in, into some of my early 20s, like for seven or eight years, I was really depressed and like actively suicidal a lot of the time and really struggling. Like I didn't I didn't really see myself living past 20 or very old. Um, and I I had this belief that like 
my depression or like my darkness was part of me. And like, even if I did live long, like there would always kind of be this gravity about me that people would sense and there'd be kind of like a sullen somberness. And I didn't feel terribly about that. I was like, there's beauty in this too. There's wisdom in this too. But I like had this belief that there was always going to be kind of this heavy weight, like around me that other people would be able to feel in me that I would be feeling. Um, So to dance into so many initiations, um, witch camp being one of them, and to start exploring my gender and like, kind of recognize that like, oh, I have so much more to offer the world than like, this somber wisdom of my depressionness that I think is my only offering to the world. Um, so I, I think testosterone and exploring that part of my gender kind of gave me a lot of levity or allowed me to like see more options for myself. Um, and I, I, I call myself like a practical optimist nowadays of like, of like, I have, I have to believe in hope for the future. Cause like, otherwise like, it's hard to go on, right? So <laughs> there's like a, a practicality to that for sure. But also I think, yeah, I just, I feel like I I see more possibilities and I'm excited about more possibilities now than I was before. That's great. I wish that our listeners could see Silen. I mean, I always wish that to some extent when we do these interviews because we're, we're on Zoom, but even more than um, the expression of soul that that you describe in your in your story, it's like your the way that you express yourself. I'm as we're watching you in your little window here, like you're just very expressive with your hands and mm. and your facial expressions. So it's just delightful to to watch you talk about about this. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> Yeah, it's like fluttery <laughs> to talk about these things. <laughs> yeah. And where are you at these days, Silent, with your with your witch practices and with your um, your rituals? And have is that a place that you're still really uh, deeply involved with? Yeah, um, it, it is for sure. So I s- call myself the reclaiming witch, and I've been practicing in that tradition basically since I first w- went to witch camps for five or six years. Um, but don't necessarily have a home community. Uh, there's not a very established community in Colorado. So I've been seeking ways to try to start that and kind of have had collected some people so that we can have some in-person rituals here in Colorado in the reclaiming tradition. Um, but I also have like lots of online connections and like, I think after the pandemic, all of us like figured out how to do some rituals over Zoom for sure. So I've been, I've been, exchanging magical practices and, and holding sharing magical space with online um yeah reclaiming witches from all over the world for a number of years now which has been really supportive to me i think for for most witches um like as much as i do long for community there's also like a huge support from like having my solitary yeah communions and like rituals and dances and that kind of thing and I think one more thing I want to say about where I'm at these days is that I started working for the Alliance for Suicide Prevention um here in Colorado and also volunteering for like a local LGBTQ plus youth Mm. organization so I like get to hang out with like young 
queer people like all the time and it it feels it feels very vibrant and like connected to different horizons but also like trying to offer them that space that that witch offered me at camp of saying I hear so much soul in your voice and not saying that to them too directly because they like roll their eyes at me, obviously. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, trying, trying to hold that space and be, be in community to witness others too, I think is like equally as important to me as, as being witnessed. That's awesome that you're doing that work. It's really amazing work and just um, suicide prevention is, such a worthy cause, you know, in our society. So thank you for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been really, really nice talking to you, Silent, and and hearing, you know, just the depth that the depths in which you're exploring and the expanses in which you're exploring. And uh, thank you for being so articulate and. Uh, kind about sharing them with us really really appreciate it thank you for having me i like feel i feel like the currents of wonder just like talking about these things so yeah i appreciate you all like asking those questions and like inviting me to revisit these memories our pleasure yeah we're really glad that (laughs) to have had you and we know our our listeners are really going to enjoy this so absolutely yeah And if you like our podcast, feel free to like and subscribe or leave us a review. And until next time, keep swimming in the wonder. Keep cheering the queer. Bye. Bye. Bye.